Hey everyone, welcome to Still With You. I am your host, Coley Browning, and I am so excited that you have joined me here for another episode of the podcast. One of the things that I always say and I absolutely mean is that I love music made by my friends, whether this is in performing, writing lyrics, or even a small group acoustic setting. I am here for it all. The guest on today's show is no exception to this. My friend Seth Hansen is a incredible vocalist and a musician who leads worship in the local Pensacola region. He does such a job well done every Sunday in inviting the spirit to ebb and flow freely during service, creating an atmosphere for others to feel safe in God's presence. And guys, I have learned so much from being under his leadership in worship. And now you all are about to learn about his life. This episode is one of my favorites, and I am so excited to share it with you guys today. Seth is honest, genuine, truly authentic. Please welcome to Still With You, my good friend, worship leader, Seth Hansen. I am so excited to have you here. I've been wanting to have you on the show for a while. You were just a great worship leader. Myself and a few other people that I've talked to believe in the same thing in you, and that is why I'm so happy you're here, Seth. I'm, I mean, I'm really glad to be here. I'm glad we actually were able to figure out a way to, to make this happen. And that happens more than you know with scheduling people and canceling, but I just believe that it is all in God's timing. We just had pizza, and we are ready <laughs> to get this going. <laughs> like, we are fueled. I want to share with people a little bit more about you. So, like, your dad was in the military. Um, so, my dad was in the Navy for 20 years. I am the youngest of four biological children. And then I have two younger adopted brothers that came along much later. My dad retired here in Pensacola when I was uh, eight years old in, like, mm-hmm. 2003. Me and Kyle, my older brother, who's two years older than me, um, we were just kind of at an appropriate age that we were making friends and we were putting down roots. And so, my parents just decided for our sake that we would stay and we, because mm. my mom's whole family is in Connecticut. My dad's whole family is in California. It's kind of a difficult thing logistically That's to maintain. two different sides of the country. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, like I know all my cousins, but I'm not close with any of my extended yeah. family because we just live in Florida. When did you become the Seth worship leader that like we know and love? At, did, were you doing that when you were in elementary school? Like when did that kind of form? I, I've been exposed to music my whole life. My dad was in like choir and he like toured around with, like a Bible choir. And then my mom taught us all piano lessons when we were five-ish okay. years old. And then my older brothers were in the homeschool band, which is the thing in Pensacola. So I started playing music, like classical music, when I was eight, yeah. eight years old. So I started on trumpet and then played different instruments. Um, so I played a few different things. Eventually, I picked up the bass and I started playing bass for a... I don't know if you know this. I was in a band when I was in... The blue coat Middle people? School. No, this is another one. No, we're, I don't know this. Do share. Why are you laughing? There's no shame in this. Oh, no, there's, I always there's want. Mu- there's you, much shame. Seth, let me tell you, you were the person that I wanted to be. I tried to get people around me to form a band. You cannot do that in the middle of Missouri in a country town where mm-hmm. there is like none of that happening. No creative people. I shouldn't throw too much shade. There were creative people, but they were <laughs> in the shadows along with me. Go on. What band okay. were you in? So we were called Empty Page. We would sing to like tracks, like we'd buy CD tracks for different popular Christian songs. So we would like lead worship for like Celebrate Recovery at Blue Angel Campus. And that's how it started. And so then... And wait, you're junior high. Yeah. yeah okay. I'm, like, I'm making sure people are following this I think it was like timeline. 11 or 12. Yeah. And, and so then we just like started getting people involved and we ended up making an album. Thankfully, you can't find it anywhere on the internet. We did a demo first and my voice had not begun changing. And then, oh. and then we recorded the album, the full album, and my voice is about halfway through changing. A few of those bandmates are the other members of the Blue Blanket Sport Coats, which is our Christmas. Say it slower for people. The Blue Blanket Sport Coats. Which, can we talk about your Christmas song? Oh my goodness, like it is so touching. Tell, say the title because I forget. It's like More Than Christmas? More To Christmas. More To Christmas. It is so sad. Oh, well. But it's so good. Like it's a good sad. In your <laughs> voice, you can hear the sincerity. That's another gift that you have is when you lead worship, you can tell that you're so sincere. Do you feel what the crowd feels sometimes? I don't know if I have the same experience as other people. I just only know my personal experience. When I'm leading worship, there's a lot of times I don't even notice anybody else. Like I'm not listening to my my bandmates, mm. how they're playing. Um, I'm not listening to the congregation sing. A lot of times my eyes are just closed. I've seen that. 
because for me, the best way to lead someone else into worship is to just be there yourself. It's not about anybody else. Like, yeah, I'm a worship leader. Yes. Like that's me stepping into the obedience of my calling. And I know that I'm supposed to operate in that, but you can't lead anybody into a place that you're not going. And so for me, the most effective way I know how to do my job is to just worship. And if people see me worshiping, they actually know where to go. But I love what you said that you can't lead someone into a place that you're not going. And that you and I've talked just as friends yeah. that that's the feeling that I have when I see you worship is that you go before, which is crazy because I've been reading in First Chronicles and Psalms and there's scripture that lines yeah. that up that the, that the musicians went first. You go before with music and you're saying like, it's okay to be this sincere and this vulnerable in the heart of God. Some people I feel like maybe are scared to let go. And I feel like you mm -hmm. are such a good leader in saying it's safe here, guys. Like I'm here with God and like you guys should come, just come and worship. Yeah. Yeah. People can have so many walls up, especially nowadays, like with church. Yeah. People have so much baggage, so much hurt from the church, from, from Christians in their own histories. You know, when you come to a church, you don't really know what to expect. You don't really know all the time the type of place that you're going. You don't know if you are safe there. Because I know I know a lot of people who are very, very cynical about mm -hmm. Christians as a whole. You know, they don't necessarily attribute that to God. So many times I think I think we as Christians can get in the way of somebody. Like we can end up being a stumbling block for them, just how we live our lives. Mm -hmm. If we're not living with integrity, if we're not living with actually pursuing God. I don't ever want somebody to come into a church and not be engaged just because they're worried about somebody else around them or they're worried that somebody else is going to like hurt them or anything like that. People are going to let you down. Christians are going to let you down. We're yeah. all human. The one person that's not going to let you down is, is God. You know, even in my own personal history, like I battled through a lot of insecurity about who other people thought I was or, or like what other people thought about me. And the only person that really mattered in the end was God. And that was the only revelation I needed to find healing was God showing me what he thought about me and how much he loved me. And then when you have that revelation, people can say what they want about you. <laughs> you yeah. have whatever thoughts they want to have. I'm and, still coming into that, honestly, though. And I'm, I'll be transparent. Like, it's so hard for me. Oh, it's not an easy thing. Yeah. Certainly, you have to walk it out. I think something that, that God has gifted you and that I've seen myself is like, you are one of the most encouraging people that I've ever met. I honestly truly see it like something that other people will just kind of say, oh yeah, that's just like who that person is. Like you have repeatedly, you know, maybe to the point of, Did I, have I annoyed you? No, not necessarily, <laughs> but like, you're so intentional about showing gratitude and about showing uh, and like giving encouragement to something that you see. Like if you see somebody in a strength, if you see something, something that somebody's doing that you think is a good thing, you're so quick to step in and say, I see that and you're doing an amazing job. People don't necessarily look for those things in other people. I mean, even me, I, I don't necessarily yeah. see that. I try to look for moments where I can encourage somebody. Thank you so much. That means the world, especially coming from you who like I respect so much and just loving what you're doing in ministry. Like, thank you for saying that. Yeah. I think like we were talking about, I think that the Lord has given you a certain eyes to see things uh, that maybe other people might not see. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, if you have eyes to see giftings and, and callings on people's lives that even they don't know are there, you know, that can be a really powerful tool for God to use. I want to use whatever he wants to do. I just want yeah. him to use. And no, I know absolutely. that's the way you are too, though, which is why I am interested to see how your story is going to play out because I know that, okay, so a friend on the show, mm -hmm. um, her name is Margaret Pinton and she okay. leads worship at Coastal Church. And so she and I were talking and she was like, why Daphne, Alabama? She has a beautiful mm -hmm. voice and says it with such a humble heart that she could have gone secular anytime she's had offers. Mm -hmm. And she said, why doesn't Daphne, Alabama deserve my best? And I know 
that you've had things where you're like, I don't know, like, why I'm here. Like, why is this not moving faster? You've openly said you'd love mm-hmm. to do music full time. Not necessarily even music. I know that music would always be a central part because that is so much of my mm-hmm. art and my passion. You I know, didn't mean to speak for you. Then. No, Sorry. it's fine. It's totally fine. God's never really given me a specific area of ministry that he wanted me to pursue, um, which has always been a bit of a challenge. I was always a kid that you could ask me what I wanted to do with my life and I'd either have no answer or I'd have like one of many. And I always tell people I want to be a veterinarian for a while because my my best friend when I was in middle school, his dad owns one of the clinics here in Pensacola. Oh, okay. So I'd go and I was like observe surgeries and stuff and it never like fazed me and I love animals. So I was just like, hey, that would be cool to do. <laughs> Let me just do that. And I was going to go to Auburn and and be part of the veterinary program there. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I realized like I don't really like science. <laughs> it wasn't my passion. I'll say that. And so I was like, okay, well that's not it. And then at one point I wanted to be a SWAT team sniper. <laughs> what? <laughs> just because I thought that would be a cool job, like I could because it's so like precise oh, yeah. and you had to like it's probably a video game and it, video game influence. But I never really had an avenue because I'm sort of, I'm like good at a lot of different things, but I'm not like necessarily amazing in one specific, that's how I felt like my whole life. And so it was really hard because when that's your, the reality you're facing, you're like, okay, well, like I can't just pick one thing. Mm -hmm. What is my skill set best for? And so I remember I was at a conference uh, in Kansas city and there was like a, a, like a prophetic room um, that you could go and like be prayed over. The, the person praying over me spoke a word. They said, I, this is before I even learned guitar. I didn't even know how to play the guitar. Wait, I never played how, bass. Tell me what, how old you were here. I was 15. I had started playing bass in the, like our junior high worship team, mm-hmm. but like just cause I knew how to play bass and like, I like playing music. Okay. I've always loved to sing and I always felt like. And you like, have a great voice, by the way. That is one of the things that I, I, I love. And it's so, it's great to hear. It's really good. It's very distinct. I've never heard anyone sing like your voice. Oh, so. that's actually not. I've never heard that. So <laughs> I think Why? my voice is Why like a you standard white guy voice. Really? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I don't. Maybe I haven't listened to enough white guy. I don't. I mean, I try to keep a diverse library in mm-hmm. my playlist. So I think you have a great oh, voice. I appreciate that a lot. Okay. It's, can it's you funny. continue yeah. on? Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so I, I'd just been playing bass and I had, had really had a desire to sing. I remember my attitude towards the whole thing was very, very prideful. Yeah. And I would remember looking at like the people who were singing on our worship team in junior high. And I was like, I can sing better than those people, which now I look back at it, not true at all. Mm. <laughs> not even a little bit true. That was rough back then. I remember this, this guy was praying over me and he said, I see you with a guitar on a stage leading people into worship. In the moment I knew that God was saying, I want you to go and do full-time ministry. Like, I want that to be the focus of your life. I, I got really excited because all of a sudden, all these boxes started to click into place. And I realized that, I mean, all the things that I was good at, all the things I excelled at, they all fit perfectly in a ministry context. Yeah. And so at 15, I was like, all right, sweet. I'm going to go do ministry. I'm going to go. It's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. So immediately, like, I came back and Todd was my youth pastor. Came back to Pensacola. Yeah. Uh-huh. Came back to Pensacola. Todd was my youth pastor. And so I start, I talked to him about it. There weren't really, honestly, that many students who had a heart, who were asking for those opportunities. Okay. He was more than happy to take me kind of under and, like, to start to develop me as a leader, as a, you know, he just started kind of discipling me at a higher level. And, of course, giving me more responsibility, holding me to a higher standard than he would a normal student who hadn't asked yeah. for that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. I actually started leading worship and playing bass. So I would sing and play bass at the same time, <laughs> That's which so good. is That's funny. not an easy yeah, thing. I, yeah. Rhythmically, it can be a challenge. And so I started to think about it and I was like, well, if I want to be an effective worship leader and be able to go anywhere and lead worship, I need to learn how to play acoustic guitar. That way I don't need a team behind me because you can't just play bass and sing. It's going to sound awful. <laughs> In case you didn't know. The only reason why I was laughing is because I see you now and you have a guitar and I was just imagining you with the bass just like going oh, for it for Jesus. Oh, oh I haven't seen any of those then. Um, yeah. That's like the epitome of your heart. Like you're just like, I'm doing the best with what I have right now, which is my bass guitar and my voice. And like, Jesus, you can have it all. 
that's what it's all about. Yeah. Seriously, it is. I love that. I didn't know that part of your story. Yeah. So I didn't learn. I didn't learn how to play guitar until I was like sixteen. Who taught you? I taught myself. Oh, that's great. I mean, I have a musical knowledge. What was the first song you learned to play? Probably "How He Loves" yeah. by, by John Mark McMillan. Oh, we've had this conversation. Your sloppy wet kiss. And oh, I don't like always. that. Oh, I don't my like it. Gosh, I'm I, I've always loved unforeseen. I I just can't get on board. I feel like unforeseen is creepy. Why? Because, like, you don't want somebody to just, like, you, like, turn around and all of a sudden, like, kiss somebody kisses you on the mouth. No, I don't want a sloppy wet kiss. There's moisture and there's, like, ugh, I just don't, I'm not for that. Unforeseen makes me feel like, like, it's more romanticized and just, like, sloppy wet makes you think of a dog. <laughs> the reason that I love sloppy wet kiss is because God does not hold anything back from us. <laughs> and, and, yes, and knowing God, I know he's so extravagant in his love. There's, there's no societal, yeah, sloppy white kids is kind of gross, right? God doesn't care about that. Like he like gives it all freely without regard to uncomfortability or anything else that society might say like that's too much. And also it's a better word picture. But that's the yeah. original lyric, correct? It is. Yeah. Yeah. So I probably, that's, it's a, it's a really easy four chord song. So I think I probably learned that first. I was not very good at music when I was. And you're what? I was a youth- 16, 17 here? 16, 17. I was leading worship at our youth, mm-hmm. our youth ministry. And I, thought, I was, I was like, okay. I felt like I was competent for a teenager. It was so much more like we're being rewarded for heart than it was my musical ability at all. Aside here, you say I have like you, you think I have a, like an awesome voice. Like I do. Yeah. I mean that. Like I'm not just saying that because you're my friend. And- yeah. I don't feel that way. Looking at other artists. Okay. And like their vocal talent and their vocal ability, they can do all sorts of crazy stuff with their voices and sound so good and do things that I could never dream of doing vocally. Even the people that I sing with on the stage at Liberty. When I, whenever I have a song and I like don't sing it to the Lord, when I sing, like if I was to ever try and like join a secular band, something that is like not singing to God, I was singing to other people. As a performance, I am not as good as a musician. Yes, you've, you've told me this before, that when you sing... Haven't we talked about this? I think so. Yeah, that when you sing worship, your voice, it, it, something's different. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of hard to talk about that because, like, in my own talent, in my own ability, I've never been a really high-level musician. Even my own... My siblings are, like, better at the trade and the craft of music. I mean, you said your mom taught you piano, but all of your siblings yeah. are musically. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. so you feel that pressure then because they are, they're uh, talented. Yes. Yeah. And I'm the youngest. So oh, okay. there's certainly a level of like, my older brother, Kyle is, he can pretty much pick up any instrument yeah. and play it. I'm just not that level of just like, you know, raw talent. Yeah. And just like knowing all of the musical things in your head and, Mm-hmm. I don't have that straight up ability. As a musician, it's really interesting because I've just had to rely on God for every every little bit of my musicianship because I know that I know that in myself like I'm not capable of. What are you talking about? Like what's the okay. grit there? <laughs> it's it's really hard to describe. Um I can practice a song as much as I can. I can learn a song in and out. I can do all of the work. And unless the presence of God shows up, I'm going to do poorly. I'm going to perform poorly. Have you ever performed and he, you felt like it wasn't a moment that you hoped it would be with him? There has been, oh, certainly over the years, like we've had different, different Sundays. Like distracted? Yeah. Like if the congregation is not plugged in, if they're not engaged and I am, if I'm in a weird place, Mm -hmm. I can't rely on them. To help spiritually. And so, yeah, I've, I've definitely had moments where I've tried to lead worship and it just kind of came out empty. But all I can say, like, God is faithful. I can't think of a time that I actually gave, just gave it to him and just, like, tried to step out into obedience just to glorify him and that he didn't show up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When in your life did you feel like this is, this is a calling of mine to do the ministry to the best of my ability? Because you're not in full-time ministry right now, but you do a lot of it. And when did you realize that that will always probably be part of your story? Like, do you see yourself even as like being 80 years old, just like worshiping, like 
what we I know to be true so far in your story that you've shared is that once God put this on your heart at an early age and you've just been using it and it's doing something, even if it's just within yourself too. I'm still holding on to the promise that I've been given. I don't think that yeah. God has ever said, I don't think he's ever like clarified that he meant this is just going to be on the, an on the side thing. Mm-hmm. I still am holding on to the hope that one day I'll be able to give all of myself to the work I'm doing in the ministry. Do I see myself still worshiping at 80 years old? I sing all the time, Coley. Like I sing like, <laughs> you, I don't have to be on a platform. I don't have to be, I don't have to have a guitar. Like you can ask my coworkers, like I sing all the time at every job I've had. Yeah. I just sing because that's, I guess that's just who I am. No, I think it's the calling that got put on your life. Um, me personally. Sure. Because Chris and I have always joked that if we got, I always joke that like if we were to run into a few million dollars or get given a million dollars, like we'd buy a house and also like get you a record. Remember when I joked about yeah. that? I was yeah, like, yeah. we'd also buy, somehow buy you an album project so we wouldn't have to like just hear you on Sunday that you could go ahead. Yeah. Cause I feel like you have a voice that would bless thousands. Mm. I just think people need to come to downtown and just hear for themselves. <laughs> And I love uh, it because our worship team has people that are so distinct voices and so such diversity. True. And you add to that. Like, it's so good. I appreciate that. So, yeah, you will be 80 years old and still worshiping, yes. correct? No, that is, that is 100%. <laughs> not even a possibility will happen. How do you think that even some people who are not musically inclined like you are, um, how do you think that we can make worship priority in our life every day? I think that worship is far more than music. In all reality, I think that, yes, singing, playing an instrument, all of that, that is a form of worship. And I think biblically, even, it's clear that there's something specific to music and musical expression. Psalms, it talks about, you know, making a a loud noise unto the Lord. I was reading Romans recently, and, you know, Romans 12.1 talks about, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's your spiritual act of worship. And so for me... I know that God's given me a talent that I'm supposed to steward well. You know, I'm supposed to be the best musician that I can be. It's not about good music. It's about obedience and it's about taking the gift things that God's given us and investing in them and ultimately using them for something beyond ourselves. I think that worship, it is just a reaction to change in your own heart. Worship should be a natural, a natural reaction to God working within us, whatever that looks like. I had a friend ask, she like just put a Facebook post. What do you think the word or like people are saying when they talk about, you know, God as their song? God as their song? Yeah. Like, you know how people say, yeah. oh, God is my song. Like, it's in, I actually it's in, haven't really heard that phrase though. I've heard like my life song, but I've not heard God is my song. Maybe it's not popular in mainstream spheres. Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to, you'd have to no, check go me on, on that. No, go on though. You know, like the song of my heart. And I feel like what it's really referring to, what it's really referencing is it's more than just a, a literal song. It is the the message that our life is sending. You know, if you were to look at the thread of our lives, what is the message that's being portrayed? Like, what do people hear when they look at your life? I always think of like good reputation is, is worth more than it's in the Bible. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm struggling, <laughs> no, no. but also how your life can give a fragrance. Like I always think of what do I smell when I'm around? If yeah. like they carry a good scent. Yeah. But that's another way of saying it, how you're talking about. Um, well, Jesus also talks about like we're the salt of the earth, which it's a preservative, but it's also flavor. Yes. If the Holy Spirit is drawing people unto himself, our lives should be flavorful pleasing. Yeah, it talks about like people who are going to see the gospel as foolishness and people are going to hate us for following Jesus. I think that there's those other people who are, they're looking for something. They're looking for the answer and they just don't know that it's Jesus until they see someone actually living life on mission with passion and with a purpose, like somebody who's not miserable. What's different about that person? And it's because our worship of the Lord in the way we live our lives, we're giving glory to God with Mm -hmm. every action that we take, regardless if you can sing or not. I think that's what I'm getting at. I want people to know that you don't have to be able to make music to worship. 
You don't. I mean, I mean, you can sing if you can't sing. I don't, I don't have any issue yeah. with that. It's not about being a good musician. Even being a worship leader has nothing to do with being a good musician. That's so crazy to hear, but it's true. Yeah, in the Bible, David, when he was doing the tabernacle, he got the best of the best. He found the best musicians that he could find, and I think God deserves our best, even in musical quality. But God is about the heart. This episode of Still With You is sponsored by Quinn Sharp Jewelry Designs. Quinn Sharp is an artist and designer who makes handmade jewelry inspired by the ocean and all elements of nature. She would know she lives in Cali. Quinn is also a good friend of mine and a fellow military wife. And this week, she's offering a 20% discount off your entire order at Quinn Sharp Jewelry Designs using the code still with you this is still with you in all caps and you can use it at checkout again 20 percent off by using the code still with you when you visit quinsharp.com every piece in her collection is curated to perfection in my opinion and i love her inverted teardrop hoop earrings and her wire wrap rings all of her collection is truly amazing Again, you can visit quinsharp.com to start shopping and use the code still with you to receive 20% off your entire order. Again, quinsharp.com. Honestly, the story I laugh about you the most is when you told me that sometimes you listen to anime music while it rains and it's the most beautiful thing. And I laughed and was like, that sounds miserable. And you're like, it's great. What what does that say about the person you are? Well, I think that music in so many ways is an expression of feeling, like an external expression of feeling. And when you write music, you can hear the feeling, even if there are no words, even if it's an instrumental song, you can hear the feeling behind a well-written song. I love classical music because I've I've played it for years and years, and I think that classical music has this level of emotional content in it that exceeds, you know, your generic four-chord Interesting, because they don't even use words. They don't, but it's such a complex sound when you have... 60 instruments in an orchestra all moving together you can achieve incredibly complex emotion so for me like there are times that i just want to feel the music if it's rainy outside (laughs) i get really melancholy on rainy days yeah i get really tired and like i'm sure this is not just me i'm sure like many many people does this happen to when it's raining outside i don't want to go anywhere i want to like sit and either like just watch the rain or like listen to the rain because it's such a soothing it's either a huge inconvenience yeah if you have to go somewhere and it's like you get really annoyed at it or you can just take a minute and just enjoy the rain it's weird but i do not like to be in pain but sometimes when i experience something very emotional it's very refueling. I don't know. It makes me feel alive. And I think it's something that's real. And sometimes real moments, even if they're so painful for me, which I do not like to be in pain for too long, but they do refuel me in a really weird way to be like, there's some stuff that's authentic out there still in this fake world. Definitely. You can ask, you can ask Autumn, like, I hate my smile in photos. Oh yeah. I forgot. We need to tell everyone. So Autumn Lachey that you heard previously on the show. This is her boyfriend, Seth, that she mentioned in the episode. Yeah. I feel like she made it seem like we fight a lot more than we do. I thought she sang your praises. What are you learning about dating? Do you want to go there? We don't have to. (laughs) Well, I think it'd be interesting to hear your side because she gave some great dating advice to people who are thinking about dating, currently dating, or even people who are mentoring people who are dating. I thought she did pretty good in talking about relationships and so it'd be interesting just to hear your side because you guys are the first couple that I've mm-hmm. interviewed individually. I know she she talked a little bit about our early relationship, I yeah. think, like first year. So we're now, we've been dating over a year. One thing I've realized through having an actual relationship that is serious and that is God-centered and that we're trying to plan, you know, a life together, a family together and like serious about that Yeah, is that dating didn't look like I thought it was going to. I had a really hard time dating when I was in 
like with the topic of dating when I was in high school. I would get these massive crushes on girls. They had absolutely zero interest in me mm-hmm. whatsoever. And, I've you know, we there. were, we yeah. were friends, but you know, when it came to anything more than that, they were just not about it, which is fine. But I have a really hard time. I can be a very, um, like we just talked about, emotional person. Which I think is a gift. Yeah. And when it comes to relationships, I, I tend to, even if it's not like a reciprocated relationship, my tendency was to put so much stock and so much weight into this relationship or this wanted relationship that I had a very hard time when it was a no and when there was no mutual interest. I'm very thankful that none of those things worked out. Literally, I can think of maybe one girl out of all of the girls I was ever interested that might have worked out. Yeah. And all of the other ones, just knowing myself better now, I I realize like it would have been terrible. (laughs) I think my biggest advice that I could give is not to get ahead of yourself with dating. Like, don't lose sight of what God's doing in your life in this moment. You don't need a relationship to fulfill God's calling in your life. You may know that like God's promised you a spouse. You may feel that you have the desire to have a family really strongly. But so many times God doesn't give us time frames, especially not with big things like that. Yeah. I know people who were in their mid to late 30s and they met somebody. I know people who were 18 and got married, which probably don't recommend that either. But I guess you do you. I was 20, okay? Well, <laughs> I wasn't talking to I you felt like you got nervous. I no. feel like you're like, were you no, 18? No, no. I was like, no, I was 20. Those two years counted. <laughs> those two years counted. I learned a lot in those two years. I know that Otto and I have both grown tremendously. Just having to put up with one another and have to like learn our quirks and our different needs and the way we receive love. I think you all are great because you guys let each other have freedom to grow together. Yeah, that's that's been a challenge recently. I'm pretty planted at Liberty, mm-hmm. and I feel very much that I'm supposed to stay there for the time being, just to serve the house. You know, my relationship with church at this point is less about, like, what do I get from church, and more about how is God asking me to serve the church. At Liberty, that is my primary focus, is how can I serve those people? And you can tell by the way you are through your worship, too. That's so evident. That you're there for people. You know, not saying I never get anything out of a Sunday morning service, but that's not my primary goal when I am involved at Liberty. And recently, Autumn, she actually has started going to a different church. Mm -hmm. She grew up very charismatic. Yeah. She really was missing that side of church, like the unstructured, long-form worship that you can kind of just sit and soak be in the presence of God and there's no, there's structure, but it's like a limited structure, right? And so if the spirit's moving something different, like the service can change and look completely different than what the original plan was. Mm-hmm. And it's been really, really good for her. Like I've seen the evidence of like how it's pouring into her spirit and like how she's been refreshed through that. But we didn't know how to handle feelingly like led to two different churches Yeah, as a, as a couple it was really, really scary because both of us strongly feel that we're going to be serving together. We want to be, you know, at the same church. That's a beneficial thing and a valuable thing just for the unity of a relationship. And when God is asking us to not do that for at least a season. Yeah. And I think the word is season there probably. Don't you think, I mean, you don't see yourself doing that until you're 80 years old worshiping, right? You want to go to church with your girl. And you know, we're, we're not married yet. Yeah. And so it's a little different. I think it's cool that, that you were supportive of her, even though it might be hard. I'm sure it's oh, hard, right? It's hard. Yeah. Um, at the same time, you know, if I'm going to lay my life down for someone, how am I going to stand in the way of their spiritual health? How am I going to say, no, Autumn, I don't want you to go to this place that's actually pouring life into you in a way that you were missing just because I want you to be there on Sunday mornings with me. Yeah. That's a very, very selfish thing to say. Yeah. I have that desire. Like I, I really miss her there with me. I miss her. Yes. <laughs> I miss her too. I trust her to hear the voice of God. Yeah. And I'm hearing, Hey, do this. And she's hearing, Hey, do this other thing. 
God hasn't told me like, Hey, you need to, she's in the wrong or like something else. I don't know. He's, he hasn't told me, Hey, stop her from doing that. That's not healthy for her. There's no other alternative, but to just trust the Lord. And I was reading a book called Love Leads by Dr. Steve Green. It's like a business place, Christian book, Mm -hmm. but I think there's a lot of, there's like a lot of like leadership stuff in it. Yeah. And he's talking about when Abraham, when God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, it seems kind of like contrary to what God had promised Abraham. Cause I mean, God promised Abraham the son and like descendants would be as numerous as the stars and all of that. And then here God is asking Abraham to sacrifice his one chance at like actually furthering on his line. Yeah. Abraham didn't try to convince God not to do that. He didn't try to say, but wait, God, didn't you say this? Didn't you say this? Like, why are you changing your mind? Like, Abraham didn't question it. He just reasoned in his own heart. Okay, I know that God could bring him back even if he dies. Yeah. And just stepped into obedience. And so for us, for me personally, even going through that has really been like, okay, neither one of us think this is necessarily like, it doesn't look like a good idea, but God's doing something and we just got to say yes. Mm -hmm. We just have to trust him that he's operating in us as individuals as well as a couple. And for us as individuals right now, this is the best thing. I think it's awesome that you guys are so intentional in hearing from God together. I wish it was easier. Yeah. (laughs) In a lot of ways. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But hey, I think the key word you said is season. It is season. This is not forever. God is going to speak again or you guys will come to to where you're going to church on Sunday together. Yeah. I want to know... Just curiosity, like who were some big influences in your life musically? I didn't really listen to a lot of worship music as a kid. I was a really angsty teenager. Um, were you like Panic at the Disco? No, but I was probably the Christian version of Panic at the Disco, which Reliant wouldn't... K. <laughs> okay, yeah, I like Reliant K. Um, and like Reliant K and Switchfoot were like my yes. two really big for a lot of years, and like Reliant K is still at the top of my list. Yeah, for, in a lot you're of the ways. one who told me that. Lead singer of Reliant K dated Katy Perry, which yep. I did not know. Yes, Hot and Cold is about, I don't know if it's confirmed to be about him, but I've seen some Matt, YouTube videos Matt that have, has bipolar, yeah. and the theory is, or what the internet says, conspiracy is that theory. Katy Perry wrote the song Hot and Cold about Matt Thiessen and his struggles with bipolar. You know, that could totally be false. I mean, I think it's true, but. Don't, if Matt Teeson, you're if you're listening to this and that's not true, I'm so sorry. And if you are, please come be on Still With You. I'd love it. And Katy Perry, if you want to, too, you're more than welcome to. No shade either way. <laughs> um, as far as, like, music that's written about and for God. Well, it doesn't have to be music that's written and for God. I'm just curious who your influences are. I think that John Mark McMillan is, he's pretty much at the top of my list as far as Christian songwriters. I've always struggled with the whole thing about if I write music... I don't want to write music that's not about God because God is the biggest thing in my life. Mm-hmm. He is the most important factor in my life. And it, truthfully, my life isn't really much apart from him. And so if I write music that's not about God or like not about what God has done in my life and not about who he is, then like how good is that really going to be? How deep is that yeah. song really going to be? I was a creative writing major in college. I should. Yes, we should. Pre- <laughs> Why didn't we say that at the beginning? I should preface yes. this. Um, so I, F- I studied FSU. Yes, like I studied what the the Seminoles. Seminoles. Yes, <laughs> I was going to say the Native Americans. But oh my that's gosh. Not they're a tribe of those. Um, <laughs> the Seminoles. Yes. Yes. So so I studied creative writing at Florida State. I've always loved English. John Mark McMillan. He is such a poet, and he writes music. Yeah. And so it's not like this standard cookie cutter Christian music that uses the same phrases and the same stuff over and over again that I saw. I mean, you can listen to the last couple of decades of Christian music and you're going to hear the same phrases, the same stuff over and over again. And I truly believe that God is bigger than that. John Mark Gamillan has this way of being so genuine with his own struggles, his own wrestling with who God is and, and, you know, where God is taking him. And he, he writes it all in this so incredible poetic way. I've always really wanted to be there as a writer. I would be able to write in like extended metaphor and be able to write in a way that captures emotion without just like saying like, I feel afraid. 
mm-hmm. but you like show that feeling. That's a really difficult thing yeah. to accomplish in writing. And I'm sitting here thinking most, about that. Well, even the fact that you have words to explain how to do that shows that you have thought about it a yeah. lot. I, I just love his use of music, music, like different instruments. And like, it's very varied. It's not like the normal thing. He's an mm-hmm. artist. It's He's expressing his own relationship with the Lord in such a beautiful way. Any music that I write, I want that to be what people would say about me. Do you feel called to write music anytime soon? Uh, I mean, I've, I've written... I know you have written some things. So I wrote, I wrote Murder Christmas. That's the only full so song. So good! I, I want to feature it on our Christmas episode. That's the only song I've like written and recorded. I have a lot of halfway done... Seth, verses, finish. Courses. I know, finish, I know. Even if it's not perfect, just I know. come and, and play it. And we'll just sit and enjoy. <laughs> there is a dream in my heart that I want to write, record, and release an EP. I was like working towards that. Yeah. And then I changed jobs and my job got crazy. And, and, and <laughs> But this is why I love this show because we're here talking with you in it right now. Like, it's not like I'm like, Hey Seth, come on and talk about your EP. Like we're praying for that EP and (laughs) we're (laughs) going to love you through it until you get that. Like, you know what I mean? Like we're, I'm not here because I'm like, Oh, I just want the finished product. I think it's amazing what you're doing with what you have right now pointing to God. And here in this moment, we're just celebrating that you go on Sundays and pour your heart out and, encourage people to come into the presence of the Lord, that it's safe, that he is going to move, and that they will walk away a different person. One of the things that we had talked about, um, about my story is that since getting that ministry call, I've had exactly zero paying opportunities in ministry. Not that ministry is ever about money, Mm -hmm. but I do and have always felt that God was calling me to vocational ministry so that I didn't have to split my time. Yeah. I'm I'm still believing for that. You Me know, too. I I know that if I need to go on the you know if I end up going on the mission field or like whatever it is, I am not called to live a compartmentalized life. And one of my struggles has been people. <laughs> can I be like really really? Please always open? be honest. Okay. Yeah, I'm not ashamed of this uh, perspective, but I would tell people, hey, like I really feel like the Lord has called me to like a paid ministry position, and I don't want to have a day job and then do ministry. People always, I can, like, I can pretty much call it whenever I'm having a conversation with somebody that they turn around and they say, well, if you have a full-time job, then that's your ministry. While I know that this is true and that whatever we're doing, whatever season we're in, that we're called to be obedient and faithful in that season to the best of our ability and to utilize the opportunities that come into our path, that made me really, really angry. Yeah, It really feels like they're being dismissive of, like my calling because they can't explain why it wouldn't have happened yet. And so they're like, well, whatever you're doing, that's your full-time ministry. And I'm like, yes, it is. However, that doesn't necessarily disqualify 100%. what I just said to you. Well, my heart probably isn't the best on that as well. Cause it's, such I think a, it's rude personally. I don't know that it was ever meant out of rude intentions. And I, and I know that generally it's meant out of like, well, don't get discouraged in the current okay, season. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, that's that's true, too. When you're serving in a church that has, like, two staff members mm-hmm. and, like, none of our staff. Like, there's, there's people who pour their hearts out at our church that are, like, they don't get a cent. And they still do it, what God's asking them to do and is putting it in front of them to do. And I don't ever expect to be paid for just being obedient to the Lord. But I know that there will come a day that he says, hey. I'm going to take care of all of these financial things. You don't have to worry about any of that. You can just focus on taking care of people, loving people well, like serving my house. I was in First Chronicles as well. Was it the verses like, that I sent you? No, this okay. is before you sent me any of the verses. I, that's where I was reading in my Bible. That's a, Well, we're on the one-year plan. I am for reading through the Bible. Are you yeah. doing that? No. I was okay. Well, you're, you were reading alongside my, my people who were uh, doing uh, that because that's where I've been the past couple of weeks. I love like first, second Samuel, first and second Kings, like the stories in the Old Testament. Yeah. I love and the a lot Testament. of first, a lot of chronicles is like rehashing Kings. A lot of name dropping. I was like, well, I just read first and second Kings as I was reading. I'll just skip chronicles. I'll just agree to some other time. And so I'd never read chronicle, um, oh. like from start to finish. Sure. 
And so like, that's just where I was. I was just like, okay, I'm going to go back and I'm going to read first and second Chronicles for whatever reason. And I started to read about the Levites, like as a musician who wants to serve in the house of the Lord. Like I felt the Lord just impress on me, like the Levite calling. This is what I'm talking about when I tell you that I want you to be in ministry. I want you to be on call for ministry. And I don't want you to have to worry about working a nine to five and then having to go and basically if somebody calls me and says, Hey, like I need, I really need your help right now. Like I can't go because I have to work my shift at work. That's all fine and well and good when that's the reality of the season. It doesn't ever make me not want to have the other. Yeah. Like I still, I mean, I desperately want to just be able to live a life that is serving God's people at whatever time to be there to take care of people to be there to serve people in a capacity that I, honestly I don't have because when I get off of work and I'm like exhausted my Great. physical capacity isn't there yeah it still hasn't happened so you're reading first chronicles and then I randomly send you these verses mm-hmm. from that's so crazy because yeah. I well I love how God does that <laughs> then because I was reading first chronicles and he- reading all about these things with musicians on how they were on call 24 7 you the Levites and everything. And I sent you those verses because I was like, oh, this makes me think so much of Seth. The things that I feel like that Chris and I have talked about that we feel like you have this calling on your life. I've always loved your leadership in worship every Sunday and just growing in our friendship too. Really moved by all the things that you're doing. I think my brain works a little bit differently than some people. I don't know. I'm a four. So we can talk about Enneagrams real fast. Yeah, you are a four. I'm a type four. When did you discover that you're a four? Uh, when I took the test that you sent me. Was I the one who you made you You thought I was a three. Which you could easily wing a three. I don't wing a three. I think I, I'm pretty sure I wing a five, honestly. That would make sense, too. Um, if you're very in your feelings. Hmm. And I've heard sevens are very healthy when they act like fives. So fives are all about like analysis and stuff overthinking everything which i do a lot something that other people don't think about i'll like pick apart i just have always done for some reason like even movies i'm so critical when it comes to you are about like i'll like pick apart all the different facets of the movie i'm like well this movie did this well and like they didn't do this other thing well i guess critically minded i think that's mostly because of my desire to be the best creative person that I can be. Yeah. Like my personal desire that if I'm going to create something, I want it to be like the highest level that I can achieve. Then I like look at everything else through that lens. And it, it people think I'm like really negative sometimes um, because I'm like, no, but like it could be doing this so much better. And like that, the way that you see the world, you're completely alone in that. They're the romantic individualist. Yeah. And it's crazy because I never knew about Enneagram until probably a year ago. But I can't tell you the amount of times where I've just felt, even my friends, like, they just don't understand me as a person. <laughs> like, they just, I just feel like people don't get me. Like, yeah. And it's, it's funny. You don't have to, you don't have to. No, I want to put it in there because there. I think people, like, no, I love the Enneagram. I think that that didn't kind of give you language that you're like, oh yeah, that's probably why I am the way I am. Yeah. And mine was like being a seven that I think about my childhood, how my parents, Love my parents, but I don't think they understood that when I was planning and excited about things in the future that I was struggling with sevens like gluttony. They want to be filled with new experiences. Like that wasn't me not being content, mom and dad. That was just me being in my nature. Like I was excited for the next thing that happened. Like it didn't mean I was any less grateful for what was going on. Even before I knew about Enneagram, I realized that the world was bigger than I was giving it credit for. And even when I moved to Tallahassee, the friendships that I have in Tallahassee are like so different than the friendships I have in Pensacola. For some reason, I don't really know exactly why a different level of like, they understand a different side of me, my friends in Tallahassee. Yeah. Well, you lived there for quite a while going to school. Yeah. It was two and a half years. Yeah. And got to see a part of you probably like venturing out on your own and experiencing things. So yeah, yeah, I'd understand that. It's just taught me to be more understanding about if somebody doesn't think the way that I think, you know, that's not necessarily a, a negative quality. I used to get so frustrated. Like my friends, they would always pick on me about my quirks and just the way that I am. Like I have these really funny, I'll just think about things in a weird way and I'll sing and I'll dance and like, I'm just a pretty goofy person. It's not always been something that was 
necessarily like appreciated in a way mm. in a way that's like hey Seth we love that about you but it's more like we love that about you so we'll pick on you about it which is always so frustrating yeah so I'm a youngest sibling so that started with my brothers and and then just kind of continued and I was like people don't understand who I am people don't understand like and and I guess that's why I wanted to pursue writing yeah because like expression is such a I've always felt like I, I was really bad at expression but that's just who I am. It's not like I'm not trying to be like high and mighty or like anything like that. I just, I tend to use really analytical, really big words because I like to be as descriptive as possible about whatever. And uh, I don't know. I just, I guess I just came out like a weird person. No, and- <laughs> you're not. I love that there are people who challenge us to think Mm. differently. For example, you went and saw The Quiet Place three times. I love that movie. (laughs) Yeah. Asked you, I was like, you are crazy. Like, why did you watch that three times? And you explained to me, I still don't really feel the same. What was your reasoning behind that? You should share that because that was really interesting. We've had that conversation many times. So The Quiet Place was a really interesting time in my life. Oh no, my keys just fell. I don't like scary movies at all. But the way that it was done... And presented in the trailer even, I was just like, that movie looks so intriguing. I really want to see how they pull that off. And like John Krasinski was in the office and like, I don't know, I just was like really interested to see. I was more like curious than anything. But I had high expectations. I had high hopes for it. There was a Thursday night and I wanted to go see a movie. It was when Movie Pass was a big thing. It was when Movie Pass was flying high and we were swiping that card oh my goodness i love movie pass and it died with a oh i still have i still have a list oh with a theater uh-huh i still have um, amc a list see i don't have that anymore oh yeah is it worth it i don't know i'm not sure if it's oh worth no it. it's worth it for you because you are you love movies you do right yes i love movies I when they were almost as... free for me <laughs> i don't get to see movies quite as often as i'd like anymore so the first time i saw a quiet place i ended up seeing it by myself Which I I thought that was so weird, too. I was like, why would you go to a movie by yourself? Well, I was planning on going to... We had worship practice on Thursdays. Yeah. For some reason, I was thinking that I had worship practice, and I didn't. And so I just ended up with this random Thursday night that I had literally nothing else planned. And I was like, I want to go see a movie. What's playing? So I I look at the listings, and Quiet Place is playing. I'm like, that's the movie that I really wanted to go see. Let me see if anybody else can go. And lo and behold, none of my friends could go with me. I was like, all right, I'm just going to go and watch this movie by myself. So I drove out to Orange Beach because I was living in Perdido at the time. Okay. I watched it by myself in the theater with literally, there was nobody sitting to my right or left. It was just me taking in this movie. And truthfully, Coley, like this is, this is like my favorite experience of all the times I've seen that movie. It was the best because... There was no distractions. The whole theater was quiet. Like not a single person said a word the whole time. It just played so well into the sound design and like the suspense of it all. It just hit hard. And then like afterwards, I started raving about it and I tried to get people to to, like go with me. So then the second time I went, I went with people that they didn't talk during the movie, but they like were freaking out. So it was a completely different experience for me because I was I got to enjoy them reacting to the movie and I knew exactly when all the jumps were coming yeah and then the third time I watched it I had people next to me who were like talking the whole time which kind of ruined the movie for me the third time but it's really interesting because all three of those times I noticed like different aspects of the movie like the first time it was far more about the sound I think the second time I really focused in on like the cinematography and how beautifully shot it was what was the third time Yeah, I really don't. Like, I think the third time I was just more so focused on, can I watch this movie a third time and still enjoy it? Like, does it hold up? Does it hold up a third time? Yes. And then I watched it. I bought it on Blu-ray when it came out. Stop. I did not know this. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It was the only movie I bought last year. take away in one sentence, like, what did you, why three times? Why on Blu-ray? Why that movie? And, like, also, I think the showcase is a little bit about, like, the person you are that you're in that. This is, like, evidence of the depth of the person that you are and that why we love you for who you are. You know what I mean? Because here's my experience. I got into the theater oh, laughing and all of a sudden I sat down and was, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot we don't talk during this. Like there's no break point of where I'm sure. going to be like, ha ha ha. Like, it was like, oh, and 
Yeah. This for an hour. John Krasinski is the best actor, I think, of our time, truthfully, with all the things that he's done. I really do think that because wow. The Office, That's 13 hours. That's high praise. That, Dan, do you not agree? Like, I, I you know, mean, like romantic the, comedies, yeah. like military movies, The Office, which is the, the one the sitcom of our time, and then a movie <laughs> like that where he has to literally just do emotions. Yeah. John Krasinski is amazing. That was it. I didn't think of anything of the complex levels there, that you did. There's just so many levels to that movie. So... Um, the first of which is John Krasinski and Emily Blunt are actually married. Yes, I knew um, that, yeah. I'm watching this movie knowing this and just seeing them play off of each other as actors playing roles. That they have this chemistry. The thing I love the most about A Quiet Place as a movie. This comes back to me as a creative writing major. They taught us a lot about taking all of the fluff and all of the unnecessary out of your writing. If it doesn't need to be there, then take it out. And The Quiet Place... It feels so distilled, polished down to the very simplest that it could be. That's true. And there's no fluff. Yeah. And everything is important in that movie. There's not a single detail in that movie that is like not needed. The thing that got me was the newspapers when it said it's noise. I remember that because that gave me chills. Yeah, in the storytelling, like, they're not even overt about what it is. There's some newspaper clippings in the office that tell you a little If you read the background, you can see a little bit of the story. I never thought of it. That's true, though, yeah. But every detail is done on purpose. I have such a high level of respect when I look at that movie compared to a movie that looks so thrown together and, like, they just didn't really care to work that hard with all of those details to polish it and to make it hold up. That's so true. So the name of the podcast is still with you. And so Seth, I'm wondering, the final question we always ask is, where is God still with you? I'd love to know the answer to that question. There's some backstory to it. So I was working a job for about a year. I was a medical receptionist. I worked at a retina specialist eye doctor. Yeah, I remember that. I, I learned so much and I grew so much through that experience, but I always knew that I didn't want to be there. And so I kept asking God for like release to go and do somewhere else, something else. A friend of mine who was doing insurance sales hit me up and he was like, Hey, I think you'd be great at this. Here's how you get licensed. You can come on board and you can just sell life insurance with us. And I was like, all right, cool. Like he's making a ton of money supporting his family really well. And those are things that like, I really want to be able to do, be able to give my family like in the future, like stability because that's something that people have always told me is like really important. So I got licensed, you know, I paid money for like my licensing and then I bought some leads and stuff. And, and so I started part-time in February and full-time in March of this year. And I sold a grand total of zero policies the entire time that I was selling insurance. I was like spiraling so hard. Like I was so depressed. I just kind of came to this place where I was like, I have to get out. I have to get out. I have to get out. And so I started looking for a job. I was really like confused because I felt like God had released me from my previous job. He was saying, yes, you can leave now. Like you've learned all you can learn. And so I thought that this thing was like, you know, the way I was supposed to go because it was right in front of me. And like I passed my exam my first try to get licensed. And like it seemed like everything was going so well. And then when the rubber hit met the road, I just was really bad at the job. And it was just not me. April comes and I'm like, okay, it's time. I gave it a month full time and I sold nothing. So my bank account's going down, not going up. I need to find a job. I tried to go back to my previous job. They didn't have a place for me. And I just kept looking and kept looking and kept applying for jobs and applying for jobs. And and nothing that I was applying for, I didn't find anything. So a friend of mine who works at Chick-fil-A she said, Hey, like I'll talk to our hiring manager. Like I've actually known the hiring manager, I mean, probably 15 years. You know, so many people, a lot of me, the yeah. people at this Chick-fil-A go to Liberty church mm-hmm. and I've known them for years. Cause I grew up at our Blue Angel campus. And so I knew like a dozen people that worked at this Chick-fil-A and I was like, I don't want to work at Chick-fil-A though, because I have to shave and I love my beard. It's only going to pay like a little bit of money. It's not going to be good at all. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, well I'll work at Chick-fil-A and then I'd like, Go to Navy Federal, like when, when I can. So I started at Chick-fil-A at the beginning of May. Like the week I started, I had an interview at Navy Federal. I was like, okay, well, cool. Like God's doing this thing. And then I interviewed at Navy Federal and it went horribly. And so I started at Chick-fil-A. It is the most positive, life-affirming job that I've ever worked. I 
love going to work. That's which is something I've never been able to say about like any job I've ever had that wasn't when I was interning at, at the church for no money. Yeah. <laughs> I get up and I don't, I don't dread going to work. At the end of my day, I'm not like, oh, I'm so ready to get out of this place. I've had so many people ask me, Seth, like you have a bachelor's degree. Like you are a college graduate. Why do you work at Chick-fil-A? Honestly, it's because through everything that I went through, I was trying to solve my own problems. I was all, I was trying to solve my own money problems, my own financial, you know, I had this idea in my head about like, I want to be like, I want to make this much money. And like, I feel like if I make this much money, then like I'll be set. And instead God takes me from a job and I'm now making less money, but because I'm trusting him and because this is actually the place I'm supposed to be. Yeah. It has been such a season of, of rest, been able to pour my own heart out so much more working at a fast food place than I, than I ever was able to at any of the other full-time jobs that I worked at oh, because God. I would always go home and I'd just be like done and I'd be drained and I would have nothing left to give. And so this season, you know, God has just been teaching me. He has a better plan than we ever do for our, our own lives. Come on, yeah. And even if the money is not, I've already had so much favor and there's already been conversations about me moving getting promotions and, and stuff. And I've worked there for a month and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you telling me that. Yeah. <laughs> and not shocking. And you're a hard worker. It's just one of those things that if you're where God's put you, if you are serving in the place that God puts you, even if it doesn't make sense, you know, he has so many good things to give you. Mm. It may not be money. I honestly, I came to terms with maybe not making a lot of money like a long time ago because you can't really be have a ministry call in your life and expect to be super financially well off. And not that I care about that, but when you're trying to plan for family and like, we're really trying to do that. We're trying to move forward and it's really hard Yeah, because finances is like the biggest hurdle that we're facing right now. Through all of the pay cut, I have had no second thoughts about the whole situation. I know that God's with me Yeah, in that place. And I know that he's put me there and he's, he's teaching me something new through it to trust him more. And, uh, yeah, you guys should come meet at Chick-fil-A. Yeah. And then come to downtown and hear and meet you and the whole (laughs) works. And that's a great answer to that question. I don't think anyone on the show has answered that question with talking about a season of their life and that, and that's something that being your friend, it's so encouraging to me to see that you're you're that palms open Mm -hmm. about it the calling that you have on your life the seasons and that is so cool to be your friend and watch that and Mm -hmm. be encouraged by it and to know that we're in this together you know as a body of believers yeah thank you for doing that for being that and for not just talking about it but walking it out chris and i get to see that so many other people too well, even to go back at what we were talking about at the very beginning is that, you know, my like my friend Margaret, she's like, why doesn't Daphne Alabama deserve the best? And it's like, mm. why doesn't Pensacola deserve the best? Which is, you know, you, you leading us in worship, like, in mm. my opinion. And not to say that you're the best on the team. I have so many people on the team. But I feel like you're the, <laughs> you're the best at what God's called you to do right now. <laughs> you to know make, what I mean? To make enemies not quickly. <laughs> I know. I gotta, can't burn my bridges. <laughs> I got more episodes to crank out. But, um... No, you know what I mean, and you know my heart, and you know how I feel about that. Yeah. So thank you so much. For... My pleasure. <laughs> yes! Oh my gosh, I love it. That's a perfect way to end this. That's great. Guys, is Seth not the best? I hope you all loved this conversation as much as I did. Also, this is bro number three on the show this season. I asked for God to send me more dudes to interview, and he is doing just that. I'm so excited. Also, two things before we go. A little update. Seth and Autumn, Autumn Lachey from episode 33, are engaged. This is so exciting because now that you know both of these amazing friends of mine from hearing their episodes, we can celebrate them together. I wish them all the best and love them so much, and I hope you all do the same. Also, I love secret surprises. So here's one for you guys. I do. I just love surprises. If you are listening to this episode, take a screenshot of the episode playing on your phone and DM it to me on Instagram at Coley Browning. In doing this, I will put your name 
in a drawing for a secret giveaway for a $20 Chick-fil-A gift card. No follows, no shares, just a sweet thank you for listening. So just screenshot it and DM me a picture of the screenshot. The giveaway will close two weeks past the episode's air date. So that will be August 27th, 2019. Again, this is just a small way that I can say thank you guys for listening. And who doesn't love Chick-fil-A? If you did not catch it earlier, my name is Coley, and I'm so excited that you're here. If you'd love to connect with me, which I would love, please drop me a message through my website, coleybrowning.com, or again, you can follow me on social media at Coley Browning, that's K-O-H-L-I-E, and Browning Like the Rifle. I would love to hear your thoughts from listening to the show. Before we close, I want to remind you that the music you're listening to in the background is from my sweet friend, Christy Masing. If you'd like to connect with her, you can do this by visiting her website, christymasing.com. I'm so grateful she always shares her song, Soaring With Us. That pretty much wraps up today's episode. Again, do the secret giveaway. Follow Seth Hansen and all the amazing things he is doing in ministry with the life he lives. Be bold, be brave, be you, and remember that he is still with you.